In this week's episode of Studio Inter, we'll be reviewing the match against Atalanta. We'll be reviewing the Champions League game against Real Madrid. We'll be interviewing play-by-play commentator from ESPN, Mark Donaldson. This week's Monji Moratti and Frog. And much, much more. Everything here on Studio Inter. Only on SempreInter.com. Benvenuti, bentornati to another edition of Studio Inter. I'm your host, Nima Tavale Ruzzeri, wishing you back to a week where we, as Inter fans, wish we'd started in a better position than we were last week. Uh, but before we get to all of that, let me introduce my panelists. Starting with the Semper Inter preview writer, Mr. Mohamed Nassar, who is, has, has, you know, he's known across on this podcast and across the Inter world as Mystic Mo and Mr. Positivity. So I think Inter are trying to prove to him, uh, are, are really testing him to see if he is positive. <laughs> so, <laughs> really, really, really making you earn that title. Uh, how you doing? <laughs> yeah, no, no, I'm, uh, I'm good. I'm good. I think uh, all in all, uh, I mean, uh, Real Madrid aside, it's been a good. Uh, been a good uh, couple of days okay we'll get into that, <laughs> get into that later yes we definitely will um and we were also joined uh, by our good friend from london mr will beckman how are you locked down but reasonably content with everything <laughs> in life apart from the football team that i follow mm. um, but i'm good thank you well, that's great. Uh, and we're also joined for the first time this season, uh, a very good friend of ours from Canada. He's an associate producer and TSN ten- uh, tennis contributor on TSN Tennis and TSN Sports. Uh, he's also our resident go-to guy when it comes to refereeing issues in football. Welcome, Mr. Michael Gallo. Hello, everyone. Uh, hello from Canada. Beautiful day in Canada, 21 degrees and sunny. Uh, not yeah, all usual, right, all right. Not <laughs> usual... November weather, but uh, happy to be with back with you guys and uh, excited for another podcast. Good to have you. And we're also joined by the uh, ESPN play-by-play commentator. We had his uh, his partner on, uh, Matteo Bonetti, a couple of weeks ago, so we're very proud to welcome Mr. Mark Donaldson. Playing second fiddle. <laughs> How are you? <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. We, we had Matteo on uh, as a preview for the Milan Derby. And you guys do an excellent job together, so we thought we, we should bring, we should bring uh, the, the second person in that dynamic duel. Let's, um, let's get into it, then. Um, uh, you guys uh, obviously commentate a lot of Serie A, you commentate a lot of football. Um, I wanted to, to pick your brain a little bit about what, you, what your thoughts are on Inter going into this season and what you've seen from them. And, and, and you know, given that Antonio Conte, this was the season that Antonio Conte and Inter were really going to challenge Juventus for the Scudetto, well, that hasn't really happened. Um, before we get to whether you know whether you're not whether or not you think that they they might go all the way, did you? I mean, what would you expect in going into this season? And are you are, are have Inter disappointed you, or are they just about where you thought they were going to be? It all depends what you do with statistics, because you can look and say they've only lost one of seven, or you can look at them and say they've only won three of of seven. I'm a kind of glass half full, which is an anti-stereotype of my nation, Scotland. But I've left <laughs> there now, so I can be positive again. Um, they're weird into right now, because prior to the start of the season, I kind of had them as the anti-UV. I had them as the, 
the main challengers. And, and now we have Milan and Sassuolo as the top two. I wouldn't be pushing the panic button just yet if I was an Inter fan, but I'd, I'd like if I was to turn these draws into wins. Mm, for sure. Um, well, I'm going to hand you over to Mo. Did you have a question for, for Mark? Yeah, Mark. Uh, so thanks for uh, coming on. I wanted to ask uh, you generally, I mean, it's always nice to have somebody with a broad uh, European, uh, you know, uh, European football perspective. Um, it's been a bit mad uh, across most leagues. Do you think that uh, there we can get some normalcy after the after the winter break? Uh, is this uh, or is this just uh, going to be an anomalous uh, season? Where everything's up in the air, in your opinion, like uh, how how do you see the season panning out, barring any like uh, major lockdowns and suspensions? Well, we're speaking on the day where supposedly a vaccine that cures ninety percent of COVID cases may soon become available. And the reason I bring that up is is because I think if the season is to continue the way it is right now, with no fans in attendance. That means that, that things are going to be different. I think the best chance for teams that aren't normally title contenders or who are but can't get it done is this season. Because you get some weird results. Look at the Premier League in England. Look at Serie A in Italy. And I think if we go the whole season whereby there are no fans and there are issues and some teams do suffer. I mean, I did the, the Lazio against Juve game. Uh, yesterday morning, and obviously Lazio struggling with with COVID, no Ciro Immobile and Thomas Stracosha and Lucas Leva. So again, it's a bit of a toss of a coin as to what is going to happen. You you need a bit of good fortune as well. So I think if there's going to be one season that there's going to be one or two surprises, whether it's league winners or teams challenging. And by the way, I don't think Sassuolo up there is a surprise. Anyone who watched them last season under Roberto Di Cerbi will will know how good they are to watch. Can they go and finish in the top four? I don't think so, but I think they'll be challenging for that. But I think you're going to get more stories like that, more Sassuolos. From an inter-podcast perspective, I, I, I don't know is the answer, simply because what we've seen so far has been good, it's been bad, and it's been ugly at times when it's been good. At times it's been very good. In the Derby della Madonnina against Milan, it wasn't very good. The second half was a lot better, but Inter's problem, they haven't lost too many games, but it's consistently inconsistent when it comes to picking up all three points. Again, going back to statistics, you look at the last five games and you say, Inter have only lost one of the last five, which is true. You look at the last five and you go, well, Inter have only won one of the last five, which is also true, but three draws. I would say, though, that the schedule does kind of ease up a little bit. A trip to Sassuolo won't be easy. But games against Torino and Bologna and Cagliari before that game against Napoli, these are the games that they have to take all three points. And if they do, I think going into the Christmas period, if Inter are within touching distance of the teams at the top of the table, I think that sets it up nicely for when the league season resumes in Italy on the 2nd of January. That's um, exactly what I want to hear, man. <laughs> yeah, you just you just gave Mr. Positivity like a, I don't know how much fuel to keep banging the positivity drum because I am not convinced. For me, um, as I've been saying on this podcast and on Twitter, I, I think there are structural issues at Inter that were masked last season by the individual brilliance and good form of Defray, Lukaku, Lautaro, etc. And that when when you don't have them, to it, it was like they, they were the 
Snoopy band-aids on the big gunshot wound. And with Arturo Vidal and Ale Alexander Kolarov, those to continue with that analogy, a couple of more gunshots have come in instead of instead of more 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 uh, band-aids. Uh, so I see structural issues. I mean, but but seriously speaking, do you see any? Uh, do you not like? Do you not agree? Like, do you agree or disagree that there are structural issues with the fact that Inter seem to concede all attacks? down the middle it's as if into a hollow down the middle and they shouldn't really be because i like barella and brozovic i think is an excellent player and arturo vidal you, you never really know what you're getting at his best he's he's excellent but i mean this is when you kind of look and you go if a team's relying on ashley young then can they win a scudetto no, nothing mm -hmm. against ashley young he's he's, he's kind of in his what well, he's nearly at his mid-30s just now and he's he's fine he's okay um, you could you could look at the other way. Or if a team's relying on a, a 39 year old, 38, 39 year old Zlatan Ibrahimovic, then what's the what, there's a problem here? No, I mean I think what we have now, and and whether it's social media, whether it's podcasts or whatever, there's just a glut of information available for everyone. Uh, you can peruse that. You can take as much on board as you want, and you can suit it to yourself. Now, I'm not coming on here and being the the, the ever positive guy about about Inter, because right now, would I think they're going to win the Scudetto? No, I think it will be elsewhere. If you give me the field or Inter, I'm, I'm not taking Inter right now. But you can't really make a, a, a kind of full um, look back until everyone's at least played each other once. Because it, when we did the Derby della Madonnina, and we looked at Milan's games that they've played so far, Bologna, Crotone and Spezia were their first three. It's about the luck of the fixtures as well, because they were expected to win all three, but because they did, they went into the derby with momentum, and they got that good win, and they're still unbeaten. But they were at fault a couple of times, not just the referees against Roma defensively, and against Elas Verona as well. And you look back at the, the Inter results so far, and they've had some tough games. I mean, away at Lazio is not easy, away at Atalanta, that could end up being a good point. But the home game against Parma. Parma have not been good this season. Mm. And that wasn't good enough um, for Inter. To be 2-0 down was a shock to everyone else. You guys watch them um, week in, week out. You, you pick holes in every single thing that's happened. You're the true fans. So you know, we're just the guys that if we commentate on them, we see them for 90 minutes, then we watch their games as well. I think there are issues. Um, I think they could be better. Um, with Lautaro and Romelu Lukaku as as the front two. I think it's a bit of a, a, an issue, the same at Liverpool. If they lose one of those two, I think their title chances are done. So do they have the strength and depth, the squad? Do they have enough in the middle of the park that if someone goes down, they can bring someone else in? Maybe is the answer, but I'm still not convinced. Uh, I'm going to hand you over to uh, Mike. Hello there, Mark. Uh... Before I get to my uh, my serious question, I have another question for you. What's more likely to happen this year? Is it Inter to win the Scudetto or Hearts to win championship in Scotland? How many points by? <laughs> um, the second one, not the first one. Um, no, uh, I'll, I'll be taking Hearts winning the championship. If you'd said Hearts winning the Scottish Cup in the final against Celtic next month or Inter winning the Scudetto... Um, that would be probably about even. Uh, I, I don't think either is, is is going to happen. But no, that's that's my team, and um, we we did play Inter back in the sixties in the in the Fairs Cup, 
Um, more recently, uh, I think our, the last time we played Italian opposition was Bologna, and it's kind of fitting um, that we played them in 1990-91. It's kind of fitting now that we've sold one of our best players, Aaron Hickey, the left back, to, uh, to Bologna. So there are some hearts tied. Of course, we had Pasquale Bruno, who was just nuts. Um, and he, he was wonderful to watch when, when he was at Hearts. And the one who is it's a really sad story. We had a wonderful midfielder who won the cup with us in 1998 called um, Stefano Salvatore. And unfortunately, Stefano is no longer with us, uh, having died a few years ago. So it's a bit bittersweet, but there's a, there's a nice Italian influence over the years at Hearts. Oh, I love it. Um, anyways, uh, my question for you is, uh, look, C- Christian Eriksen. Uh, I'm just, I, I'm confused. I'm, I'm just makes we, two of us. It just three I, of us if I, we can count him because he looks yeah. confused on the pitch right. as well. <laughs> uh, I was so excited when we brought in Christian Eriksen last year. Like really excited, a guy I've, I've, I've liked for a long time, and you know I've been patiently waiting for him to like start, you know, making his Im- a, a good impact on our team, and he's yet to do it. I'm not saying he's not been a good player for Inter. I'm just waiting for him to be used in the right way by Conte. I don't know what's going on. I'm guessing it's something behind the scenes that we don't know about, whether it's in training or he's not working hard enough. I don't know. I just, like, he didn't even play the last two games and two Mm -hmm. very important games, you know, Champions League against Real Madrid and to Atalanta. I would expect... Erickson to be playing in this game and I know there may be some kind of uh, difference uh, of playing Barella at the same time I don't know what do you think uh, is going to happen with Erickson do you think that you know are we regretting this this uh, this move from Tottenham I I am not yet I want to see him more of him what do you think about Erickson at Inter right now I commentated on Christian Eriksen when he was a youngster coming through the ranks at Ajax and it, we, we did four years of the Eredivisie with him at Ajax, and it was no surprise when he got his move to Spurs, and he, he kind of hit the ground running, had a good first season at Spurs, but then he was 10, 6, 8, 10, and 8 goals over the next five seasons. Season 2019-20, his mind was elsewhere. He, he wanted to get a move. Um, that move, Barcelona was mentioned, I think he had his heart set on that, and he didn't get that move. Now, he's ended up at, at Inter, massive club. For me, Christian Eriksen is a luxury player, but a luxury player that can help you win things. Because I, he, he looks like he's got so much ability, but he looks like a player that you've just got to be careful with uh, as far as how you treat him. Um, kid gloves, perhaps, because we've all seen the best of Christian Eriksen, whether it was at Ajax, whether it was at Spurs. We haven't yet seen the best of Christian Eriksen at Inter. Now, you need him playing at his best. If you've got Ericsson and his deliveries for Lukaku or for Lautaro, and you've got Hakimi on one side down uh, down the flank putting deliveries in as well, that is that is mouthwatering. It really is. So it's a piece of the jigsaw. I'm content if I'm an Inter fan to hold on to right now. But I don't know if you'll ever find out what the reason is. If he, if he's still in the huff from not getting his move, he got his big move. He was at a big club, but he got a move to a massive club. Um, like Inter. And can you imagine the adulation of the Inter supporters if you were to win a Scudetto, given how long it's been Mm. since Jose Mourinho won the title in 2010? It would be, well, now a decade, more than a decade since you won it. 
So to get inside his head, he's only 28. He's in the prime of his career. And if you could somehow get inside his head and say, look, I know the Spurs fans loved you. I know it didn't quite end the way you wanted it to be. But if you could make him aware, and it's, it's, it's annoying that you would have to do this, but with some players you do, make him aware of how important he could be. Just basically say to him, you're not going to do it, but say to him, we're going to build our team around you. You're the conductor of the orchestra. And if you can help lead us to a Scudetto for the first time in more than a decade, you could walk on water in that city. But right now, he either doesn't believe that, he doesn't feel like he's part of the fabric of that football club yet, but I'm not giving up hope on Christian Eriksen. I've seen too many good performances from him in the hope that going forward, he still has something, but he's got to be managed the right way. For sure. Uh, couldn't agree with you more on that, uh, which is why I think it's when you said you've got to use kid gloves and then, and then you look at the bench and it's Antonio Conte. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's um, <laughs> when it comes to when it comes to treating people with kid gloves. I mean, I, I I'd say he's the last person capable of doing that. He's more like a bull in a china shop. Um, Will, uh, did you have a question for Mark? Yes. Hi, Mark. Thanks for joining us. That's actually a nice segue onto onto my question because I was going to ask about Antonio Conte. Um, I think there's kind of an unspoken understanding between most Inter fans. This this at least feels like it's going to be Conte's final season, perhaps because of the. Uh, the rift that there was towards the end of last season mm. and the likelihood that he was going to leave then. I just wondered if you had any, um, if you saw any possibility of, of, a, of something beyond this season for Conte um, or if you would agree with that sentiment. And also, what did you think of his first year in charge? Because I think we were mostly positive about that on this Yeah, point. Yeah, it was fine. I mean, when you look at the, the table, um, UV winning it by a point, it, 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 was, it wasn't as close as that because UV down tools once, once the title um, was one. But I think Juventus's biggest strength after the restart was their opponent's weaknesses. Going into the Lazio game against Juventus, um, Lazio had dropped 14 points. This isn't the one that's just taken place. This is the one that took place in mid, mid July. They dropped 14 points. Inter dropped some stupid points as well. Now, as did Juventus, I, I, I get that. But I think on the whole, if you'd offered Inter fans, Forget how close it was and Juventus had maybe chucked a few points away at the end after they'd won the title. If you'd said, look, you'll be in this title race right up until the last few games of the season. You'll end up one point behind. I think Inter fans would have signed up for that, but they would have then thought, you know what, we need to push on from that. I see an element of, of Jose Mourinho about Antonio Conte and that he doesn't stick around for more than two or three years. When you look at what he's done, when, once he kind of got success with, with Juve, three years there, two years with Italy couple of years with Chelsea, and now you're talking about maybe his second year being his last year um, with, with Inter. This is, this is a problem that we have, not just in football, but in life. There's no patience among anybody, not among football fans and among people in life as well. What you want is someone who you're going to, to have stick around for a while, a project. I remember, and here's the Scottish reference into an Antonio Conte reference, but I can manage it. <laughs> I can manage it in a Sassuolo Chievo game on ESPN, so I'm sure I can manage it on, a, on an inter perspective as, as well. Um, when Scotland beat France in the, uh, the World Cup qualifiers in 1989, it knocked France out. They didn't play in Italy in 1990. So the French got Gerard Hulier and a couple of others, and they decided, OK, we're going to build for the World Cup in 1998, which we're hosting, which I think at the time they already knew that they were hosting. But it was like an eight-year, nine-year plan. 
That's for international football. And they put it in place and they ended up winning it. Now, just because you put a plan in place doesn't necessarily mean it's going to work. Could you do that with a domestic side? No, you couldn't because fans want success yesterday or they want it now. They don't want it tomorrow. They're not really prepared to wait. So the difficulty is when you've got a team like Juventus that have won nine in a row, you've got a team like Inter that haven't won it since 2010. Milan haven't won it since 2011. There is that immediacy requirement among fans. So is he a bit of a lame duck right now? Is Antonio Conte this season the Donald Trump until January the 20th? Is he someone who knows that he ain't going to be around after that? although I don't think Antonio Conte is preparing to take legal action. Um, but is he someone who has got plans in place for next year if he's not going to be there? And if he's not, then why is he back? You've got to put something in place here. And I think, I think he should still be here. And I think if he had any semblance of nous or, or achievement or wanting to do something here, he's had his row. He's still there. He wants to achieve. He's going to get a better job if he does leave, if he's successful at Inter, than if he's a failure in this second year. Just because he did well at Juve and he had that spell at Italy and he did okay at Chelsea, you've still got to keep going. I mean, that's that's the issue that he's got. He's got to be successful this season to get an even better job. If he's not, I think the incentive is there for him to do well. But can you have that five-year plan? Hakimi's a really good signing. I like him. But others as well. Christian Eriksen in five years will be 33. But do you have the patience of supporters that are prepared to wait a couple of years, given they've already waited a decade, for some success? I don't know. Mm, that's a good point. Um, I, 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 I like what you said about um, him not taking legal action. He kind of did with Chelsea. <laughs> well, he, <laughs> he dragged them to court. <laughs> Indeed. No, but yeah, no, but I know what you mean, and I and I and I, and I think it's funny because I, 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 for me, he's always been. I, I always refer to him as as Leche Trump because I think he's got this, <laughs> this this kind of this kind of grandeur about him, but where it's never his fault; it's always someone else's fault, and it's 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 uh, and and when it goes well, it's thanks to him, and when it goes to hell, it's someone else's fault. It's because he didn't have Arturo Vidal; he only had Stefano Sensi and Nicola Varela. Um, you knew what, you knew what you were getting. Though, yeah, when you, exactly. When you signed that's them, it's the not like yeah. he's changed. Well, that's so, what. I, that's you bought, you bought the package. Yeah, exactly. And and that's, this is why I was against him coming. It was that and also because he's an unstable person. Inter are an unstable club. At Juve, you have mitigating factors. It's the three-man defense, which I didn't think Diego Gurina and Milan Skriniar were, were, were suitable to. Um, and and a couple of other things, but Mo Mo's been Mo's been Mo's been the balance on this podcast to my to my to my skepticism, if we put it that way. Um, before we let you go, um, can we? I just wanted to let you. Uh, who do you think will win the Scudetto? We kind of touched on already. If I mean, if you just give us your places one to six. Oof. <laughs> um. Wow. It is difficult this season. It, it is. It, it is, it, and it's not a normal season. No. And I, I, I would love to pick someone other than Juve. Not mm. that I've got anything against Juventus. I, I don't have a horse or a dog in the race. Um, I, I just, I think there's, there's something to be said for, um, whether it's in, in horse racing, horses for courses. If you've been over the ground and you know how to get it done, that is a huge thing. And none of the players. Um, that are, are playing in, in, in this were with other clubs and tasted success um, apart from kind of, uh, I mean Zlatan was, was there at the time but there are very few players that have tasted success out with Juventus so I think it would be folly not to pick them, they are the favourites and 
I think um, they deserve to be so, given given what they've done and their ability to find a way. Although, um, conceding late on, very late on to Caicedo against Lazio yesterday, uh, they haven't, I mean, they've, they've got, what's that, their fourth draw this season and, and, mm. and three wins. If, you, if this is the season um, to get at them, then you, you've, you've got to have a go. And look mm. how tight it is, 17, 15, 14, 14, 13, 13, 12, 12. That's, mm. that, that's the top eight. Sassuolo will be in the top six. Um, right now, the teams not in the top six that I think will be, um, I think there are two. I think Inter and I think Lazio. Um, I think Lazio get in the top six, but not into the Champions League. I think Inter get into the Champions League spots, but don't win the titles. So I would go... I don't think Milan will, will, will stay up there. Um, I, I think... Uh, I, I'd be surprised if 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 Milan can maintain that challenge. I think it'll be great from from the league's perspective with Zlatan and the narrative and everything like that. But I wouldn't I wouldn't have them as as league winners. So I'd go Juve, um, Juve, Inter, Milan. Napoli, la, no, no. I'm just looking at. I'm looking at. Yeah. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's, it's difficult. It's, it's hard. I, th- I think it's close. I mean, I'd have Juve, Inter. I'm probably just going against what I've just said. Um, the 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 four from last season. I don't think will be far away from being the four from this season. Uh, Na- Napoli have got a, a really good win in them, and then they'll go and chuck a dafty in. Um, I remember they they won one nil at Juventus. Koulibaly's header late on. That was when they were going for the title. Then the next again game they lost. I think it was three 0 at Fiorentina, or yeah. in two games time. That's the kind of thing you get with Napoli, and they're, they're great to watch. It's just a shame. I think the the, the San Paolo not being full is is mm. is a, a thing that will go against them. Um, sure. So Juve, Inter, Milan, and I don't know. I think one of the Roman clubs. Um, mm. So Swallow in the top six and Atalanta. In the so, top six as well. Okay, so Napoli outside the top six. That's some someone's going to miss out. It's like yeah, yeah, for four. sure, for sure. It's like for someone. Sure. Yeah, the top four. I mean, Atalanta. I, I commentated with Matteo on their game against Sampdoria. I love, 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 love Atalanta. Um, just watching them, the the three four two one or the three four one two. Um, but I know they chucked a couple of silly results in last season, but they were mainly at home against teams that were expected to win. And for some reason, they, they, they didn't. Sampdoria, but, but there's the joy of, of Serie A this season. I mean, you've got Sampdoria going to Atalanta and winning by three goals to one mm. and then losing 2-0 at Cagliari on <laughs> Saturday. So I think that tells you, I'm covering my back with my prediction, which I made kind of rather vaguely and covered all bases so that when you come back to me in, in nine months' time and go, what, did, what about that one you said? I said quite a lot. The of art of a, of a good prediction is to keep yeah. it vague because then you're, you're free of culpability. Uh, <laughs> so so who do you think, uh, I mean, the, the Coppa Italia and the Supercoppa and the Capo Cannoniere, do you th- I mean, if you just quickly give us those. Ronaldo, I think, will mm. be in a battle with Ibrahimovic and mm. they'll... Uh, They'll turn back time. I think those two will battle for the uh, the Capo Canonieri. Um, I think the 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 Coppa is an interesting one because people forget there's some really big teams in Italy that haven't tasted success in the cup for quite mm. a number of years. Mm. So I, I'm going to 
I'm going to go either Atalanta or Sassuolo. I'm going to go Sassuolo for the Coppa. Mm, nice one. Upset because just because you worry as well about teams that are playing in Europe if they're playing Thursday night and they've got Coppa or they're playing Wednesday night in Champions League. I think I think Sassuolo um, will be an outside pick, uh, and I think they would deserve that. And might, that that might be a title, um, a, a cup that that takes Roberto Di Serbi to the next level, because mm. uh, because right now, I mean, they're they're great to watch, they're fun. Uh, it's, it's it's not your grandfather's calcio anymore, is it? No, no, you're right. You're absolutely right. Um, thank you very much for coming on, Mark. And if people want to follow you on Twitter, and if you got something coming out that you want to plug, then the floor is yours. <laughs> <laughs> at, at Donaldson ESPN on uh, on Twitter. A uh, couple of weeks break from uh, from Serie A, so I've got Northern Ireland against Slovakia um, coming up on Thursday for a Milan Skriniar. Milan Skriniar. Indeed, indeed, mm. and also. Uh, at the same time, and it'll be on a small monitor in the studio, uh, a certain Serbia featuring Ooh. Alex Kolarov if he's fit against Scotland. Um, so a place at the Euros and a place in England's group. So it's going to be either England-Scotland or England-Serbia at the Euros next year. Uh, and then I've got a couple of Spain games and Germany games next week as well before we uh, we return. Um, I can, if, if you want, I can give you a wee exclusive as to Ooh. our upcoming okay. games on... Um, on ESPN. Let's see if any involve Inter. Obviously, all the matches are, are on ESPN+. Plus. Uh, we do have, on December the 16th, Inter against Napoli will be on ESPN2. At, uh, our coverage is 15 minutes before kickoff. This is for those of you in the United States, of course, and if you're watching in Canada, uh, I'm sure you'll be able to find a way to watch that as well. Uh, we actually have um, three live games on ESPN. Uh, Hellas Verona against Inter is the final game before the uh, the shutdown uh, for a couple of weeks. That's on December 23rd. And our first game back on ESPN 2 is Inter against Crotone at 6.25 in the morning. So we've got a lot of Inter to come. Um, so then I'll, I should be a, a little bit more informed the next time uh, <laughs> you speak to me after I've done plenty Inter games on ESPN. But thank well, you for it, having me. Mark, one, one, last qu one, one last question before you go. You mentioned England and Scotland potentially being in the same group of Euro. Have they played each other in a competitive fixture, not in yeah. qualifying tournaments, since I believe it was, was it Euro 96 or uh, Euro 92 when they played yeah, each other? And, it was Euro and that, 96. That, yeah, was it Paul Gascoigne had that great yeah. goal? Yeah. He against, did, but yeah, yeah and Yuri Geller claims the Spoonbender claims that he was able to move the ball on the spot from the main stand so that Gary McAllister was the penalty. Um, if you don't accept swearing on this one, you can bleep this out, but that is utter shite from, from, from Yuri Geller. It's utter, utter nonsense. We played them in 1999 for a place at the yeah, Euro the 2000s. Oh my god, the atmosphere at Hamden, I was covering that game. Is the loudest I've ever heard. They beat us 2 0 at hand, and we went down there. I think Don Hutchison scored the goal. Um, was it Don? I'm sure it was Don. Um, and we won 1 0, but Christian Daly had a chance uh, to tie things up and, and didn't take it. I'm just, I, I just desperate for Scotland to get back to, to a major tournament because I can't be working with the guy who scored our last goal at a major tournament, Craig Burley. <laughs> like that, that won't do. We need a new hero. Sounds new good. Hero. Sounds good, and uh, best of luck, and thank you thank for coming you. on, Appreciate and we will it. definitely have you on after that, uh, after, 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 after <laughs> you listen Thanks, to you, boys. update your into thing. And thank you so much, at Donaldson ESPN, right? Yes, thank you. Take care. Thank you. Ciao. Thanks, Mark.
Well, thank you. We thank you very much, Mr. Mark Donaldson. Uh, let's uh, move on to uh, let, let's talk about the Champions League game uh, and also a little bit uh, uh, about uh, the Atalanta game. Um, I want to. I, I honestly think that the you know the the Champions League is over now. I mean, you know, the way I see it, it's it's done. Um, it's it's Inter battling for third. Um, and I'm not so sure that's a good idea because I don't think the Europa League is where we want to be. Uh, I think maybe given the situation, the best thing that can happen is maybe to finish fourth and then uh, just focus on the league because, and this is something that I have nightmares about, Inter missing the top four would be the biggest disaster to happen to this club. It's so, that, that in the past 10 years, that I can't even, I can't even, I don't, almost don't, don't even want to vocal, verbalize it because it, it scares me that much. But, I, I personally think it's over. Um, I suspect Mo doesn't agree, so I'm going to ask you, Mister. Well, I mean, uh, you suspect uh, you sus- your suspicions are uh, well well founded and well placed. <laughs> Look, uh, honestly, it was. Uh, it, I, I I think we're going to get out of the group. I think uh, looking at the results, I think we can uh, we can uh, make second. Uh, I think uh, if we get three points against the uh, if we get nine points from the remaining uh, three matches were through. So it still is in our hands. So I, I, I don't see why not. Uh, I think Real Madrid were, uh, are, were and are a very beatable side. Uh, I think a lot has been learned in uh, that first match. And uh, again, uh, you know, fingers crossed Lukaku's uh, injury isn't uh, compounded uh, over the coming few weeks. So we have him back. We've got our defensive trio. Uh, may God... Uh, uh, keep them uh, healthy and fit uh, until the break. I just, I think, like I said, I've said it before. I think we are where we are today as a result of a series of really unfortunate circumstances, a very tough schedule, and I can only think that. Look, here, here's my, here's my, uh, my, uh, you know, my closing argument, you know, about uh, positivity. We always, we always seem to have a screw up in January, February. May this be our January, February, and then <laughs> and then we have a good a good turn of the year. You know, it's just that, that that's that's honestly that's how I feel about it. It's just uh, it's been one one thing after another. You lose your top striker right after, you lose you know we you lose seven players due to COVID, and then you lose your striker, and then you lose one of the defenders, and that it's just it's been one thing after another. And now hopefully we'll uh, we can reset and uh, in a nice run of games, and all of this can be put behind us, but. Having having watched the Real Madrid game, you know we, we you, you were you were fearing a thrashing. It certainly didn't, didn't pan out so, and I don't think it will. And I think we're just going to get better, and hopefully we we will be able to take three points in uh, in the next fixture. Well, you see, when you say that you hope this is our January January December, I, I think that's that's when the fun starts with Conte. <laughs> see this this is where because i i i've been you know i've not been positive and it's not that i've been negative or it's just that i i see i call it like i see it and and the way you know i was angry in the summer because i felt that the moves that needed to be made to prevent to prevent this and also to to to, to win the scudetto were not made and and to me what we're seeing now is we're just watching it being played out and and this is I, I think I honestly I don't even want to think about January right now because that'll make me so clinically depressed I, I can't even think about Inter anymore. But um, t- 
I honestly think that the Champions League, I mean, it, let's put it to you this way. If the Champions League, I'm going to ask you, and Will, and Mike this question, and also you uh, uh, at the end, Mo. First of all, just quickly, do you guys think that, I mean, Mo says he thinks we'll qualify from the group. But quickly, do you guys think we'll qualify from the group? And if we don't, do you prefer a third or, or a fourth finish? Uh, like, do you prefer the Europa League or do you prefer no Europa League just to focus on the league? Uh, I'll, I'll, st I'll, I'll start with you, uh, Mike. Well, uh, look, Mo said, you know, we can, we can get nine points from the next three games and qualify. I don't even think we need nine points. I think we need, I think six or seven could get us into the next round, which I think is very possible. So I, I would possibly look at our chances right now and say we're pretty much 50-50. Yes, we underperformed in the games against Shakhtar and uh, and Gladbach, and you know we had a great second half against Real Madrid. It wasn't for some stupid defensive error at the back. Then we would have three points right now, and it would be a logjam uh, in the group. It already is. It still is a logjam. But uh, look, if we get six points against uh, Gladbach and Shakhtar, uh, there's a there's a possibility that we might not even need a result against Real Madrid, depending on what happens in uh, in the other games. Um, this is going to be one of those groups where potentially eight points, nine points can get you out of the group. Uh, it doesn't happen often, but when you get so many draws like there has been in this group, you're going to get a low point total uh, advancing to the next round. And that looks like it's going to happen because there's going to be lost points uh, from every team going forward. Uh, I just don't think that uh, like it's like we need to win every game to, to make it. I don't think that's the case. I think it's a possibility that we w we get six points and we can still get through or, you know, hey, you beat Shakhtar, you beat Gladbach and potentially get a draw against Real. Um, that, I think, seven points would be good enough to get to the next round. Going to the next part, uh, would I want third place or fourth place? I'm not, I don't think we're there yet. I, I, I don't know. Uh, if you look at what happened last year and we made the uh, Europa League final, if you would have told me that that would be the case and we got, you would have asked me, you know, during December, what would I rather have, third, third or fourth place? But that third place would turn into a Europa League final. I would take that Europa League final and take third place. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So uh, I, I know that it kind of hampers the Scudetto chances a little bit, which it ended up probably doing. Um, but I don't think we're there yet. Let's wait until we get to match day five and see how these next two games go. Um, I, I think we still got a 50-50 chance, potentially even better, to, to make uh, the round of 16. What about you, Will? Do you think we'll make it? And uh, if, if we don't make it, do you prefer third or fourth? Well, one of those questions is a lot easier than the other one, I think. Do I think we'll make it? No. Um, I would give us a lower chance than 50%. I'd put it at around 20, 25%. Yeah, that's where um, I am as well. Because, which, look, it's possible. I, still, I don't think we are out, um, but I would be surprised at this point if we made it through. I think nine points would definitely get us through. Uh, seven points is, would possibly get us through. I don't think six would get us through. I mean, I'm sure it's mathematically possible. I haven't gone through all the um, permutations in my, in my head or with a piece of paper, but I think at that point, we're really relying on basically every other match being a draw or, or something, you know, basically every other result, uh, the other three results on each match they left would have to go for us. And so far, pretty much every other, all the other games have gone against us. They're pretty much, so, um, you know, Shakhtar beating Rail on the first 
a match day wasn't good. Gladback winning six and it wasn't great. I matched day three. So um, I'm working on the assumption that we need at least seven points to get through. And I don't think at the moment that is the most likely scenario. It's not over. But um, I think if you if you don't beat Real Madrid in match day four, that puts you in a, a very difficult position, just emotionally, not as much as, um, as, as, much as mathematically. Because at that point, you've not won a game out of four. And suddenly you need to win two to get through. So I th- that would be that would be difficult. Um, as far as third and fourth is concerned, I'm very conflicted. Um, obviously, if there's a ch- look in in in, th- in practical terms, what this means is you know you're is it you're almost saying would it be better to you know kind of cast the Champions League to one side if it's clear that we can't go through? Um, I, I don't really ever like that idea because you know we are short of wins at the moment. So I think we just need to win whatever match is put in front of us at the moment. So I, I don't think that it's really a calculation that Inter can make. If we're talking hypothetically about what would be better, then that's maybe yeah. a, a yeah. different a different question. I suppose for the league title, uh, given how packed the schedule is, it probably would be better to to go for not, not to go for fourth, but to to somehow unfortunately end up fourth um, and get out of Europe because as, as you as you've seen over the last few weeks, our squad has been stretched. Um, if you aren't travelling in Europe, then you're not uh, you're not flying around. That means less chance, obviously, of catching COVID if you're on if you're heading to other countries. So that's also another th- another factor for this season. Um, let's remember that last year we made the Europa League final, but it wasn't a Europa League final that was um, reached with matches played throughout the season. It was a mini tournament in August. That's not going to be the case. We don't think this year, so that it would be very different. I don't think had the matches been played when they should have been last season that we would reach the final. That's my opinion. Maybe you disagree, um, but I don't like the idea of you know we're, we're chasing a trophy, so I don't really mind. You know, I'd be happy to win the Copa. I'd be happy to win the Europa League. We're not going to win the Champions League, even if we, even if we make out the group. We could, in theory, win the Europa League if we sorted ourselves out by then. So I don't like the idea of of, of saying it's a good thing. I think that's a very that, that, that seems to be what a lot of Italian sides do. And I don't think it actually ever works that well. Um, I don't think there's much history of, of sort of bidding off Europe as, as a good idea. Obviously, Lazio came close last year and we'll never know how that we'll never know how that came up. But we're not allowed to. We're into we're supposed to be chasing trophies. So if you want me to put my head on the neck, um, on the head on the block now, I would say no, I would want to stay in the Europa League. Um, but I can see that there are arguments for both sides. What about you, Mo? Do you uh, do you prefer like if you you know uh, third or fourth? If 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 a gig qualifier from the Champions League group was out, which which one do you think was better? Would be better for Inter? Which one do you choose? I think uh, the way we'll put it uh, was very uh, was 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 perfect. I think uh, we're short on wins, and we need to look at uh, things one match at a time, and we need to try and win every match that we we we, we can. And if that means finishing third place, then we'll decide what to do with the Europa League. Then you know it'll be a strategic decision taken by uh, by the board and Conte on, on how to treat the Europa League. Uh, but certainly, I think we should definitely aim for finishing in the highest possible and the best possible manner in the group. And if that takes us to third place, so be it. You know, mm, for sure. Right, uh, we did also play against Atalanta, uh, and Atalanta, who who have also struggled a little bit this season, uh, especially the last, after being thumped by Napoli uh, completely, um, and they've struggled a little bit uh, after that as well as as Mark said against Sampdoria, and and this was a game where it, you know I, I felt the draw maybe was the most fair result, 
but I think the thing that got me the most is I saw two teams where one had a clear ideology and a clear pathway of how to play in defense and in attack in Atalanta in that their attack is to overload their, their defense is to overload their attack. Um, and an Inter who, after 16 months, they're still looking for, for, for an identity. Uh, who, with, with a lot of tinkering uh, with Barella, is he going to be a, a different trequartista or is he the 3-5-2, which he played in the, second, in, the second, in the second half? And above all, something that has been bothering me a lot, and this is the fact that by a simple, not even a, it wasn't even an extraordinary pass that Luis Muriel did to, uh, uh, before the goal um, to Miranchuk, but with a simple pass down the middle, Inter were gone. Inter's press were gone, and the defenders were left exposed. And I know we can, def- we, you know, we can we can blame Handanovic a lot, and and we should because I, th- I I personally think that he's he's passed it, and and we to be honest, he peaked two seasons ago when he was a point when he was named the best Serie A goalkeeper, uh, the the goal, best goalkeeper in the Serie A. That was his peak. After that, it's been a slow, steady decline. Um, so I'm not I'm not one of those who you know who 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 buy this stuff about you know him moving and all that. I, I think that's ridiculous. A professional goalkeeper, of course, he wants to save the ball. It's not that he doesn't want to save the ball and he just stands looking at it. I, I don't buy that. I know I know Mo. That's not your criticism of him, but but I've, I've I've always disagreed with you on that. I do, however, think that this is an issue uh, that he has peaked and that we saw his peak two seasons ago, and I think it's been a slow, steady de- decline since then. But having that, be that as it may. There is a there is a structural issue here between the balance and the balance that we keep that I keep on bringing up on this podcast, and that is that every single chance that Inter concede from, you know, the re, why do we concede fifty percent of the shots on goal? Well, because all of the goal, all of the attacks come from the middle, and that's where you don't want as a, as a defending team to concede chances. Inter continuously concede down the middle, and as Mark Mark said, they shouldn't be because they have the players not to. So that suggests to me that there is a structural issue and one that Conte, after 16 months, has not yet been able to figure out. And I think more than anything, he knows this, which is why he's so incredibly touchy and so annoyed because his solution to that was to overload and play with two strikers and overload the wings and have them score more, which he was talking about uh, earlier on about, well, if they score three, we score four and all that nonsense. So... This 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 suggests to me that he's doubting himself, and when a coach does that at Inter, that's 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 the beginning of the end. Um, and I think we saw that again against Atalanta. Although, I'd, I'd, again, I, I don't think that the result itself is a bad bad thing. Atalanta can defeat anyone at home, and they are very good. They're they're one of the best sides in Europe. We all know that. But to me, the structural issues and and the insecurities that we see, and that he's the source of now. That to me worries me going into the classic January or December depression. Um, I want to I want to hear your thoughts and reaction on that, Mo. We've gone on, on about it. There's clearly a problem in defense. I think it's compounded, like you rightly said, by the fact that uh, that Handanovic is far far beyond, you know, his 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 best years, and even then he was not a goalkeeper who was uh, free of any criticism. So. Uh, he's become a bit of a liability, uh, not in the sense that he's error prone, but uh, you know uh, he's. We, we we still consider him a great shot stopper, and he clearly isn't. So he's not giving the defense the the the, the sort of uh, sh- a sh- like sh- safety or the assuredness at the back. 
Um, I don't know what it is about the center of the uh, goals conceded centrally. I don't know what it is about that through pass, about that silly pass, about, you know, it's the same way it used to happen last season over and over again uh, with uh, wingers running behind, uh, you know, either Godin or Skriniar uh, on, on, on the right flank and finding that extra bit of space and, and then the cutback and, and nobody picking up the midfield runner. We conceded so many of those goals. Uh, this season, it seems to be that uh, that final third. There's there's a bit there's a void there missing, and I suspect it's got to do with uh, a combination between uh, Brozovic's laziness and uh, and Vidal's uh, older legs, and and of course Barella being played up uh, further further up, so he's not you know he's not uh, as mobile in in that in that bit picking up uh, runners from the back. So I think it is in fact a bit. Of, Something to do with with, uh, with 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 balance. Um, Marotta said that he realizes that Inter are not as solid defensively as last season, and Conte is working on it. So, all I can do is just uh, you know continue trusting the process and 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 look. It, it was a much 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 more um, confident display at the back than we've had had in a while, and it, I don't think it's a coincidence. Uh, because we have our starting, uh, our preferred back three uh, available for selection. So, again, silver linings, and like you said, the result in and, in and of itself is a yeah. good result, is a yeah, decent for result. Sure. So, for sure. For sure, there's no doubt about so, that. Yeah, so I, 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 I'll take what I can get at this point in time. I, I really would have loved three points. I really thought, like when Lautaro scored, I thought, you know what, this is it. We're gonna, you know, we're we're we're, we're shutting them out. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna do it. It's it's uh, it's a one or two nil, and we're gonna get that clean sheet. But it wasn't wasn't meant to be, and it was it was that that same ridiculous goal. So yeah, I just I just hope that uh, you know I I know that they they realize that there's a problem there, and I hope that the solution is 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 available for uh, for a quick remedy. Um, well, I want to hear your thoughts on this too as well, Mike and Will. So I'm going to start with you, Mike. I mean, I, I see a structural issue and, I, and I've seen it like I told Mark earlier in this podcast and I've been saying it on and on through the season. I, I think it's safe to say that there is a structural issue disregarding the first few games under with Sensi, Brozovic and Barola under, uh, Barella under Conte. This has been a recurring theme. I think that's where the issue is, the issue of balance and that Inter concede too much centrally. Um, I, I, want to hear, I want to pick your brain on that. Uh, well, I just want to see a consistent lineup on this team. I, I'm just—I I know injuries are, are always going to happen, and it's going to have your COVID issues. And I just want to see a a team that we know who our eleven starters are going in. And if you got to make changes about injuries and whatever, I, I want to know that identity. I don't want to have interchanging lineups, not because of rest but because of whatever he's trying to do i want to see a consistent lineup uh when i go in i know that this player is going to be playing because that's who's been you know mm. they need to be having consistent play in the team to get to, i think to build chemistry and i think when you're rotating guys you know when you're having erickson play the next and then the next day he's rested and play a minute and then like just i need i think that chemistry is important when these guys play with each other they need to understand each other better. And when you don't have that consistency, when we're having rotating of 
you know, 19 guys that we've probably played already this year at some point and started. Like, that's to me, that's an issue. And I want to see consistency. Um, I agree with that because I, I mean, just, yeah, you're, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, the, I really agree with that. I think for me, it's not just it's it's what what, you, what I interpret that you're alluding to is not just a rotation. It's the fact that he doesn't seem to have a clear red line, red thread of what he what he wants to do. It's like you 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 just play different players, but you also play different formations and different way to ways to attack. And that that that's where you know that's what weather bothers me a lot as well. Um, and that that scares me because that means that's just to me he's questioning and doubting himself. And and usually when that happens, that's that's not a good that's not a good sign. That's not a good sign at all. Yeah, it's 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 okay to change things up, but because it depends on the team you're playing and what type of formation they're playing and and what type of players mm. they're using and stuff. That's okay, but but we're not having any any consistency with the chemistry of the lineup. These players need to get used to playing with each other on a consistent basis, not you know once every two weeks or you know you need to have that these guys know where they're going to be playing and and uh and just get used to this you know consistency of of uh of just understanding what kind of players they are not just in practice but during the game and that game experience is totally different um i think i think mo mentioned someone mentioned about the the, the defense there was something i wanted to mention about uh the last couple games, and and I, I love I love Bastoni. I think he's going to be a great player. Uh, I just think that he he was at fault uh, in two of the goals of the last two games, and uh, I thought in the Real Madrid game it was him and Ashley Young on the game winner where they both went towards one striker and they left uh, Rodrigo wide open. When that kind of brings me to having the the chemistry. And having that consistency playing with each other over and over again, they both didn't kind of know who's responsible for which player. And they both went to one player, leaving the other one wide open. And sure enough, that's where the ball went. And he scored the winning goal. And then you had the, the game against Atalanta. You've had, you had a beautiful ball by, by Muriel that went in there. But at the same time, Bastoni just kind of got roasted in front of him. And he didn't, I don't think he, he pressured him as good as he should have. And uh, and I don't think it was that bad of a sh- bad of a shot. And I, I'm not saying it's Handanovic's fault. I think it was a very tricky tricky shot to to make a save on. I just thought Bastoni should have been better, and he should have he should have uh, pressured him a little bit better and not allowed him to get that shot off. So um, look, Bastoni's great. He's going to be a great player for us. And I just don't think that uh, maybe he was 100% ready to take on the starting role yet. But he's going to be there soon. Mm. Uh, Will, um, uh, I want to I want to hear your thoughts on this. But I also I've been thinking quite a bit, and and I know it's like it sounds like some sort of a Mazzari Frankenstein monster nightmare. But I honestly think that the best, the only way to to get Ericsson into this and to maybe block the hemorrhaging down the middle is the three five one one with Ericsson behind Lukaku. I honestly think that's that's the only way uh, to get Ericsson into this team and maybe even to, to, to find the balance. Because against Atalanta, like Mo said, we were solid defensively, but we were completely lacking offensively. The other, the, the, the other, the other extreme of that is when Inter are offensively, they are, they, when they attack like, aggressively, they're hollow defensively. And I think maybe, maybe, the, maybe the 3-5-1-1 when, when, whenever Lukaku's fit or 
or or the three five two with Lautaro and Lukaku together. But but one of the like I don't know. What's your thoughts? What do you think? Well, I think the problem of of not having much offensive bite against Atalanta was accentuated by Lukaku not being there because you could see that while Inter was solid defensively, you know the ball just doesn't stick in the same way as it does with Lukaku as it as it was doing with with Lautaro and with Sanchez. You know there were a couple of moments in the first half where Sanchez did get his back to goal and managed to spread the play and helped us get up the pitch, but it's not something he does as naturally as as Lukaku. You know we heard that comment from. Um, from Matthias Ginter, the Borussia Gladbach defender, after we drew against them in the Champions League, and he was saying, you know, basically, Inter just send the ball to Lukaku and, and see what happens. Now, he got obviously a bit of stick because fans don't like hearing that kind of criticism about their club. But whether or not you agree with the tone, that is clear that without Lukaku, the team is a completely different proposition going forward, and it's generally a, a weaker one. Um, I think that maybe you know, I've, I've never coached, I've never, you know, I've never. Um, written a thesis on, on on tactics or anything, but you know, one of my ideas I was just thinking there as you were were talking was is one reason to one way of um, well, the, the the two options that would seem most obvious to me in terms of mitigating that problem in front of the back four, which I think we can all agree exists, is maybe to sit deeper um, and just block off that space so that you know nobody can play through you. Um, of course, the problem then is that you have to have an effective way of going forward, and if you don't have Lukaku. That's pretty much impossible. The other option is to pack the, the midfield with another body. And with Ericsson, you would do that, wouldn't you? Because you'd essentially have four midfielders mm. uh, in that middle space. So it's possible. But I think what we're, what, we're, what we're getting around here is the fact that, you know, at the moment, we don't have the personnel to do what Conte would ideally want to do. Both because we couldn't sign a defensive midfielder in the summer, which we know was a target for him. And because I think certain players are out of condition physically, or at least they're not at their best. You know, and that's really the big thing that I took away from the last few games is that, you know, uh, Brozovic is either lazy or he's not actually properly fit yet, or maybe both. We know Nainggolan is not properly fit. We all saw that for ourselves when he came on the other week. Uh, Vidal is, is not capable of playing 90 minutes three times a week. Sensi is not there. Vecino is not there. Um, Barella is great, but he can't do it on his own. And Ericsson has, you know, has, has got some kind of, uh, he's, we've, we've got the confusion that we were talking about before. Um, obviously, Gagliardini, which was, was back, and uh, it, this sounds bad, but that's probably a good <laughs> thing, given that he was out for, you know, I think that might have helped, if nothing else, to give players a rest in the last few weeks. Um, so there's clearly a problem that, th- this is clearly the, the biggest uh, headache in terms of selection because the rest of the team pretty much picks itself the back three the front two and the wing backs it's this midfield triangle or, or line of three that's causing problems um, so you know until we have everyone firing on all cylinders at least physically it's up to Conte you know to find a different route out of this problem you know as we we were banging on about last week with Mina Rizuki he's paid quite a lot of money so you know if you you know and and as Mark said earlier, it doesn't suit Conte, even if you're thinking about, even if you're convinced that he's looking ahead, it doesn't suit him to sacrifice this year. Because if, you know, one win in eight games is not going to be very attractive to Paris Saint-Germain. You know, so, you know, it doesn't matter if he's, if he's looking calmer. If, his, if the results are crap, it doesn't matter. They're not going to hire him anyway. So it's up to him to make sure that he, you know, gets his head down and finds, you know, a starting three that works or a different formation because you know, it's clear that at the moment we're, we're conceding very similar goals. And I would add to the Atalanta game the goal against the third goal against Real Madrid, because while Mike was, was um, concerned about Bastoni, 
the, the image that I took away from that goal was Vidal trotting behind Rodrigo, seemingly without any any um, intention to close him down. You know, yeah. he looked like he he looked like he was probably should have been taken off before that because he'd run out of gas. You know, and that was that was the thing that annoyed me most about that goal, um, the fact that he he just sort of accompanied him into the penalty area and watched him score. So, so basically, a, so basically, he's Borja Valero with a mohawk. Because that's the issue we had last season, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> I mean, yeah, with the, with I mean a, but, it, but it annoys more, me. With a bit more grit, yeah. Well, yes, but but that's just it. I mean, this, this is, again, I mean, Kolarov and Vidal, I, 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 this is, the way I see this is a perfect storm because it's, 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 it's like the, the players that are supposed to lead are either out of form, Defray, are either injured, Lukaku, are either working their way to form, like Lautaro, or way past their bests like Handanovic, Vidal, and Kolarov. And then you, on top of that, you have the Inter factor with, with, with Inter constantly being under pressure and the added, added thing that Conte, by building, by buying, the, by demanding these players, has just completely removed all alibis of, of, of saying that, you know, we're, you know, this is a young team, we're building for the future. This is a team, age-wise, that's built, that's, that, that has to win now. And it doesn't look anywhere close to winning right now. And yeah, and then you know, and and yeah, sorry, go go. No, I, I was just going to say the other thing that um, I, w- I was going to bring that up anyway about how you know Conte's comments after the Real Madrid match about how you know this is a process we need to grow etc. is all rubbish. You know that's fine if you bought Kumbula and Tonali, but you did exactly hand them for for the older players. So that is that is you know rubbish basically complete rubbish complete terms. rubbish no it um, is right it's nonsense and the, and then when he talks about klopp and klopp didn't win anything for four years it, that, that's just like what are you talking about <laughs> yeah. you know klopp but, did not buy 34 year olds <laughs> but the other problem that i've i've seen in um definitely in the atalanta game and, and in most games so far this season is that you know we talked about for not taking the chances you know if you've got these problems they're, they're not such problems if you take your chances. You know, if if Vidal scores uh, that goal with 25 minutes left against Atalanta, it's 2-0. The game probably ends differently. You know, if we take our chance in the first half against, um, uh, uh, well, any, any, any of these games recently, I was thinking, I was trying to think of a particular game, but maybe the, maybe if we'd scored early against Parma when we had opportunities. If you take one of the chances at 2 all against Real Madrid, then things go differently. And it all points towards a team which, to me, at the moment, seems quite flat. And it's, it's, it's tempting, you know, to make the comparison, to, to look at the, the touchline and see the man who isn't screaming and shouting like he once was. You know, I, I, you know after the Real Madrid game, I expected a little bit more... Um, anger in that performance yesterday you know you've won one in seven you know if you if you'd had that game yesterday after a couple of wins and you were in good form I think that, that's fine you know Atalanta are a great team you don't have to beat them away from home to win the league but you know there's no kind of um, reaction at the moment and that's what that's what concerns me and you know we know that Conte has been you know advised to calm down in public but I hope that that's just in public because it seems that either he's not trying to, to fire his players up like he used to or the players aren't quite getting the message anymore because you know there was there wasn't much in that first half yesterday or indeed after the conceding the equalizer there was only going to be one winner after Atalanta equalized yesterday um, so it's I'm waiting for some kind of um, you know some kind of gear change at the moment we're just kind of going through the motions mm. 
Exactly. And that, that's what I that's what I was kind of alluding to when I said I think this is the beginning of the end because um, not that he doesn't care. I think he definitely cares, but I think he's confused. And I think that he doesn't he's searching. And after 16 months, you don't want to be searching. One right. more thing, by the way, I just yeah, want to say, I just well, I just noticed before we, we started recording our record in all competitions so far this season is uh, one, three, drawn five, lost two, mm. three, five, two. <laughs> Maybe that's the answer to content. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Right. Uh, let's move on to the part of the show where we pay tribute, rip the piss out of, and criticize someone or something heavily in the world of football, starting with the negativity. This week's Moji, which we presented by Mr. Michael Gallo. All right, so since this is uh, negativity in the world of football, uh, I'm going to extend the world of football to a, a different type of football, but still football. <laughs> um, in America, we have a sport called American football, so it will be on the same guidelines of this. <laughs> uh, we had a college football game between... University of Clemson, which is the number one ranked team in America, taking on Notre Dame, uh, the f number four team in America. Obviously, there's something going on in this world right now called a pandemic, and we have uh, obviously a big problem going on. Well, for some reason, in the state of Indiana and other states, around the United States, they decided to let fans into the game. Not only some fans, but they let over 10,000 fans oh into this God. football game. Jesus. And this has been going on for a few weeks where some states are letting in fans, and it's gotten out of control, obviously, because Americans just don't really care about COVID right now. And, uh, of course, what happened was the game ended up being the best game of the year. Uh the number one team was upset by Notre Dame. And what do you think the fans did? They all rushed the field and you had 10,000 fans all over the field, all over the fan, uh, players, <sighs> all over the coaches. The entire, entire field was just congested with 10,000 people all together as one. Hardly any, anyone wa uh, wearing a mask. <laughs> and sure enough, like this is Indiana. We're not talking about like a state that takes it seriously. This is Indiana, which is a Republican state, which obviously the Republicans don't really, mainly don't really care about COVID. It's Mike Pence's state. So if <laughs> anyone who follows politics, it's his state. And you got a, just a massive issue with all these fans. You got to look at the pictures of this. It's embarrassing. Uh, of just the entire field, just full of 10,000 people all together, uh, like all over the players, uh, coaches, and it's just like, what are, they, what are you doing? What are you yeah. doing? They're just because yeah. they upset the number one team, they decided to rush the field and storm the pitch, and it's just a total disaster. And, and then you got like LeBron James, the basketball player, he put out a tweet saying, we're not allowed fans at our NBA games, but NCAA college football, and he tweets a picture of, of the field. <laughs> it's just full of people with no restrictions oh, yeah. at all. And you, yeah. can't really, 
you can't really uh, stop it from happening if you're letting the fans in because you don't have the appropriate the pro uh, the appropriate number of people to like stewards to stop it from happening. If you got ten thousand fans rushing on the field, you don't have ten thousand stewards. No. And the funniest thing about this was that the president of the school today sent a memo out to all the fan all the fans who ran on the field, and he's also a priest. He also said, he's like, you, anyone who was caught on video, you're going to be reprimanded for what you did uh, on Saturday. So just a total mess of what happened uh, on Saturday. And, and I think people should, be, should, uh, should know better. And uh, this is hopefully the first of only one incidence like this. And hopefully it doesn't yeah, happen again. For sure. For sure. Jesus, I had no idea. That's horrible. Yeah. Um, right, uh, let's uh, let's uh, move on to something much more positive. This week's Moratti, which is presented by Mr. Mohamed Nasser. He's, he works a lot, he's intelligent, and he surprises uh, people sometimes with his uh, ideas. Not easy to find one person of this uh, qualities. I'll uh, keep it uh, nice and uh, short and simple. It was really nice having Milan Skriniar back. Uh, mm. So, uh, oh, having a, a strong defense <laughs> trio. Yeah. I have missed <laughs> him so much. Yeah, we, he's been missed. Uh, a strong defensive trio has been missed. So, that uh, for me is my Moratti of the week. Mm. Yeah, I, I, I was. Uh, I thought he did really well, given that he hasn't trained or played for three weeks. I think I agree with you. I thought he looked really good. I mean, he was only cut out once. I mean, we know he struggles with vertical movement, yeah. but. But he looked. He was only caught out once, and he and he recovered pretty quickly for that. So that that's the screening I want to see. Right. Um, let's move on to something much more comical. This week's uh, frog, which will be presented by Mr. William Beckman. E clamoroso autogol di Ranocchia. Yeah, I think we're in um, quintessential frog territory this week. I was uh, I resisted the urge to give it to the 60,000 Americans who voted for Kanye Westers to become president <laughs> uh, in January, but I'll, I'll gloss over that perhaps. Um, no, this is about making an unnecessary fall of yourself uh, in a critical moment. So I'm giving it to um, Ademola Lookman, who plays for Fulham uh, right at the bottom of the Premier League. He had um, an opportunity to give his team a much-needed morale boost on Saturday evening. Um, Fulham had just conceded uh, in stoppage time to West Ham to go down, to go 1-0 down after a very hard-fought match. Um, all looked lost, but uh, towards the end of the game, uh, they, they got desperate towards the end. The keeper went up, and in the confusion, they managed to win a penalty to, uh, to equalise. But uh, instead of tucking it away, he committed the cardinal sin of missing a Penenka. And there's no... Oh, that is frog. There's, there's no more kind of um, uh, cringeworthy sight, I suppose, in <laughs> football than, than that. Because if you take that kind of penalty, you have to score. Otherwise, you look like Like a an chump. idiot. You yeah, do look and like it, an idiot. It really was bad. He, it hardly reached the goal. You know, it, was, it wasn't even a good Penenka. You know, it was, you, you could tell he wasn't... It wasn't Pirlo against it. England. It wasn't Pirlo no, against England. No, or, it was more. There's a penalty that uh, Gary Lineker missed uh, 30 years ago, where he was trying to equal uh, the record of for, to become England's all-time leading goal scorer, and he came up with this awful sort of mini chip that trickled into the goalkeeper's midriff. It was pretty similar to that this weekend. Um, so yeah, not not the most sort of um, uh, famous uh, footballing. Uh, footballer of, of modern era but it was very embarrassing and it wasn't a Premier League match and it was for a point they kind of really badly needed so 
Uh, and he got he got um, called out by his own manager after the game for, for being a bit of an idiot. So if, <laughs> if, if you miss a Panenka in a crucial moment and you take it as badly as that, then you're, you're writing yourself into the frog book. You're not allowed to do Panenkas unless your name is Andrea Pirlo or Francesco Totti. Like, that's the level, like, <laughs> seriously. Like, it's just, I mean... Anyway, that's uh, thank. You. I want to thank uh, Mark Donaldson. Uh, I want to thank you, Mike. Don't be a stranger. Come back soon. Well, hey, listen. I, I I've been trying to burn through my vacation at the end of the year, so uh, I got I'm trying to see the country that I grew up in, and I haven't done that. So that's where I've been the last few weeks. But yes, uh, you have. I've been very jealous. <laughs> I mean, that photo you put yeah. up. It was were you in heaven? I mean, the rest think, of the planet was, was burning up, and you were literally in heaven—some sort of, some sort of, uh, like the the waterfalls—and it was, it was like I, I, I was so jealous. <laughs> if you're if you're easily prone to jealousy, then don't follow Mike on Instagram. <laughs> no, it's, it's a, I was trying to see God's view of how bad Inter was from up top. It was it, it was the most beautiful view I have ever seen. Like it was unbelievable. And this was just via your phone. I can't even imagine how it looked like when you were there. Like Jesus. Different, uh, different world uh, in Western Canada, that's for sure. Beautiful country, Canada, for sure. Uh, so don't be a stranger. Make sure to come back. And thank you, Mr. William Beckman. Thank you. The good news, guys, is that we will not lose a match this week because it is <laughs> an international break. <laughs> that's a mole level of positivity, <laughs> but with a little bit of will, 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 will dry humor. I love it. And Mr. Mohamed Nassar. Uh, thank you very much. Always a pleasure. And that first Real Madrid goal was a foul that wasn't called by by <laughs> referee or no, or VAR. So, Come yeah. on! I forgot okay. to say that. Okay. Kini forgot what shirt he was wearing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. Forgot he'd left Real Madrid. Uh, I'd like to thank Mark Donaldson as well. I'd like to thank all of you and as you listen and, and everyone listening. I this week is an international break, so whoever you support for, whoever you support internationally, I hope you have. Three to six points, depending on how many games you play. Uh, I'm your host, Nimatavali Rutsari, wishing you a good weekend, health, stay safe, and sempre e solo forza. Inter.